This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. For as little as $1 a month, you'll know that you're keeping this endeavor afloat, and plus, you'll receive our professional electronic magazine. A few of our patrons who supported this podcast are Aaron Flanagan, Carolyn Weiserek, and Skylar Prim. You can learn more about our Patreon page, as well as find everything out about the Human Restoration Project at humanrestorationproject.org and on Twitter at humrespro. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 14 of Things Fall Apart, our podcast, The Human Restoration Project. My name is Chris McNutt, and I'm a high school digital media arts instructor from Ohio. In this podcast, we're focused on student voice, how to engage students, what it means to share power with students, and the possibilities that can occur when we truly let students speak. It's obvious that this is true. Just a quick glance at the news and Greta Thunberg demonstrates how powerful young people can be if given the opportunities to be successful. Our job as educators is not to hamper that motivation to learn and change the world, and to help open up new experiences for students to be interested and engage in. And it's not just Thunberg or Malala or any young person just doing like these singular amazing things. There's also a lot of small scale success and purpose being built as well. The more people that we unite with their purpose, the better society that we will build. Sometimes those purposes aren't global reaching, And sometimes it's just building a happy, motivated person. But yet, that's a giant yet legitimate goal we can reach. I mean, what really matters in the end outside of that? However, we know that school is not always a place where people are engaged in this kind of work. Sure, there are pockets of teachers doing amazing things, and they're often doing these things in spite of the systems and structures that they find themselves in. We need to engage students in conversation and take their ideas legitimately leaving out judgment aside to truly find ways to transform our classrooms and schools. In this podcast, I will be reading excerpts from Megan Kessner's students in the Upward Bound program. You'll meet Megan later during this podcast. She asked her students what they wish their teachers knew about them. Here's one of those. I wish that you fluently knew my name. I wish you knew I'm a bit shy, but I would put the effort to participate in the assignments. I also like to have fun, and joke around, but I still get my work in on time. I wish you knew I'm an active person, I'm outgoing. I play sports, it's my favorite, but I can also be calm and I can dance. I wish my teachers knew I'm not a fan favorite for art, so they don't need to always push me to be perfect in that subject. I can take math and I'm really good at it, and I can teach people that are a lot older than me and what I'm doing right now. I'm a fast learner, so please be a good teacher, because I don't learn much from those that aren't. I wish my teachers knew I want to become a mechanical engineer so they can support my dreams and help me get there. I wish they knew I was a leader and I like to help others and I love working independently and not necessarily with groups. I like a challenge and I like successful instructions and I wish my teachers would acknowledge what I do and understand my personality more. Anderson. Our first guest is Ayush Chopra. Ayush is 17 years old. He's the founder of SDGs for Children which is an advocacy site for the UN Sustainable Development Goals. He has served as the Indian Youth Delegate to the United Nations. He wrote the book Shaping a Fair World with SDGs and Human Rights. He's given speeches across the world, and he hosts his own podcast, Shaping a Fair World. So I'm Ayush. I am 17 years old, and I'm currently a grade 12 student in Arkansas. And I'm from India and currently living in Canada. Uh, When I was first experienced, 
exposed to the sustainable goals, I got the feeling that this is the only time to act or to be too late. There's agenda 2030, and we are already in 2015, 2016. So me being just 14 years old at that time, I had like really no clue where to begin. So I discussed it with my friends outside school. um my family my teachers my friends in school and no one had an idea what i was talking about because like the cities were not known by every person at that time i realized that we are far from our target and we have to achieve the 17 sustainable development goals by 2030 and we need to definitely involve children and youth because like i think youth is the future of our world And the sustainable development goals are a fascinating lens to look at education that's really taking hold in classrooms across the world right now. And you mentioned in your writing that you were brought into this work during a school exhibition. Yeah, basically, I uh, got to know about sustainable development goals uh, through my school exhibition in year I think 2015 or 16, and they, uh, the exhibition was based on the projects that students have created related to the sustainable development goals. that were released in on that year only um, like life under water life on land quality education so most of the projects were based on that and it was a turning point in my life i was the official photographer of that event and i used to take a lot of photographs of the student working on it and that's how i got to know about these goals and united nations and human rights it the exhibition was not just based on sustainable development goals they had some human rights also i know my favorite part of sdgs is that they have real world relevance i mean they they are literally the most major issues facing our collective society and i love that you got involved in these ideas through project based learning which in my opinion that's essential learning by doing What are your thoughts on the best way to learn about the sustainable development goals? According to me, like the practices that um, educators should use in order to explain SDGs are the projects or um videos because like if we work on hand as you said, we learn better. That's that's the way I study also like after I do something I try to write it down myself. So, yes, I strongly believe that projects in the Schools are life changer for every single one. I I share my own example only, like that I started this journey from my school only, and it was all related to the projects that we're doing. And I also agree that not all students who are part of this get impacted, but even if we achieve fifty percent of our mission, if we say so, I think it will be a big achievement. Like these fifty. percent of children impact many around them including their friends and then this number keep on increasing to 50 60 70 that's an excellent point i always feel like if we're doing anything that's going to spark life changing events for students even if it isn't that dramatic for everyone even if one or two students honestly go on a journey like what you're doing right now it's more than worth the additional planning and creativity it takes to make or design spaces like this I know something that I struggle with when talking about big concepts like this though is apathy. The world is a very demanding place. There's a lot of hardship in the world and we're I mean we're calling attention to it. And a lot of students don't necessarily see a solution to solve the challenges of the SDGs. How do you inspire people to push past that apathy? For me nothing is impossible and like if you break the word impossible it will be like I am possible. 
So I always advise students and my friends to take one step at a time and change one life at a time. So I started my own journey from being a bullied child and having just one camera in my hand. So I'm really small in height. So like many of my friends used to tease me on that. So I just remained focused and kept on working hard. Like nothing is impossible to achieve if young heart determines it to achieve. What advice would you have for teachers who are attempting SDGs in the classroom? Any student can understand it. So like, um, for example, I also had this um, problem, like the small children, like around fourth or fifth graders, don't actually know what's wrong happening in this world, climate change, poverty. So that's why I created my work, um, Shaping a Fairer World with SDGs and Human Rights. So um, in this book, I have talked about uh, SDGs in simple language for uh, small children, and I have activities alongside it so that once they study it, they can like uh, practice it in real life and see what happens. And that's how I want to bring a change in this world to make to spread awareness, basically. So if they if children needs to understand in like easier language, we should do so. That's a fantastic point. And I think that anything that we can do to push real world solutions to real world problems in the classroom makes perfect sense. Keep on bringing the change in this world. And if you um, like spread awareness about SDGs, that's also a way you can bring a change in this world. You don't need to like actually work on the ground. And if you're at home and helping others, making your surroundings a, a place for better climate, that's how you can help. And, um, Keep on, keep on spreading love in this world. Dear teachers, I would like you to know that I get irritated easily, but I've learned to control it most of the time. I would like you to know that I'm focused most of the time, but there's times where I just daydream, and I always do my work. Sometimes I do forget to bring it, but it is done. I want to go to college, and these habits might keep me from getting in there. Daydreaming is my biggest issue because it causes me to fall asleep. My class productivity isn't well because I do get distracted. And I want my teachers to know that I have difficulty with this and some students have a harder time understanding. Some people need more time for clarification than others and they might need more support. I want my teachers to understand that students have lives outside of school and they might have a job. And some have to miss school just to help support their families, like babysitting or having to go somewhere to look for a job. And they might have a hard time at home so they should be understanding. Sincerely, Diego. Next, we have Cody Lees. Cody is a recent high school graduate who did a ton of student leadership activities in school. And I reached out, so it's actually funny. My third grade teacher and I have stayed in touch since I was in third grade. And um, he, he saw it and sent it to me because he's been involved in all my leadership stuff since I was the, um, in elementary school. And I know leadership has been a huge element in your life, particularly growing up in school. What sparked all of this? In third grade, um, I tried out for the PE club at my school, and I didn't get in. I was not athletic enough, unfortunately. And so that third grade teacher, Mr. Chad Hyatt, um, he said, you know what, Cody, I have this great idea, and I think that you'd really like it. We can start a club called the Action Club, where we can get the school and the other um students in this club involved in leadership and community service and being in third grade I didn't know much about community service but I was all in because that was my favorite teacher I've ever had 
great guy, still is one of the favorite teachers I've ever had. And he kind of took the reins on it and showed me how to be a leader and get involved in leadership. And then from there, the impact that that had on me and the impact that I was able to bring to the club and the other students kind of drove me for future like high school leadership and leadership afterwards. And what exactly was the Action Club? It was basically a community service club within my school where we worked with community outreach. So um, small scale doing things like canned food drives within the school or beanies for babies. And then one of the coolest things we did, I think, was for Valentine's Day, we had a lot of students whose families were active duty military members and were overseas. That was when Afghanistan was um, at the heat of everything. And so I remember one day in third or fourth grade, we, my third grade teacher and I, he pulled me from class and we went out onto the um, field in our third grade like recess area. And we had bought a mailbox and we spray painted it red, white, and blue. And we had the school write letters for active duty military members to send out for Valentine's Day. And I think that was the coolest thing that we did in the Action Club just because of the impact it had. I mean, we got mailed a flag back and just seeing how happy it made these um, active duty service members, it really made me happy. And it it caused a big impact um, on my life and I'm sure on the lives of other students in the school. Well, it's, it's really cool. I love the fact that you know, the active learning experiences had so much of a has such a fundamental impact on you, even though you were you were very young. It's really interesting and amazing how much helping others and making an impact can happen and change the trajectory of our lives, even when you're only in elementary school. And shifting to a topic that you really want to talk about, which was ensuring that students have these kind of opportunities. What suggestions do you have for educators who want to instill these types of values? So one of my biggest things, and I want to be an educator, I want to be in a classroom um, as I progress through life. And so this is something that I've thought about a lot is I feel like the more tenured teachers, they, and those are great teachers, don't get me wrong, they've been doing it for a long time. There's a reason they've been doing it for a long time. But teachers get so set in their ways and so set in their practices, and it really can create a negative impact on a student because the way I see it, I feel like curriculum should be built around your students. You know, you have six periods a day. Sure, they're all going to need to learn the same thing, but the way you teach it can be different six times a day because you need to do what's going to be best for the students. At the end of the day, the teacher is getting their paycheck no matter what. What those students walk out of the there with is based on what that teacher is giving them and the information and the way that they're delivering it. Are there any particular classes that you felt were useful or I guess vice versa as a recent high school student were there any classes that you wish you had taken rather than having to have a student take a pre-calculus class I mean I didn't learn how to do taxes until this past uh, tax season that's something that I would have loved to learn in high school I never had a home ec class in high school I can cook top ramen just fine but if you ask me to make a meal it's going to be kind of difficult and so I feel like if we kind of prepare our courses for students outside of school rather than this is what you need for college because college isn't the route for everyone. I mean, I'm, I personally am a college dropout. I went to school for three weeks after high school and I, I hated it. I couldn't do it. And so, and it's, I feel like it's because while I learned valuable things in high school, not a lot of it translates to outside of the real outside in the real world. I'm sorry. And so, and so it's, it's a catch 22 because like I said, I mean, I, I loved, I loved high school. I want to go back to college, but 
once you're out of high school, you have so many other things going on. You know, I was working full time. I had a long distance relationship at the time. When you're in high school, you don't have all those things going on. And so I feel like high school preparing you for college needs to also prepare you for the outside world outside of college, you know, everything else going on in life. I mean, I have bills to pay. I have all these things going on and trying to balance it all when all high school taught me was this is how college is going to be. I find it interesting that, you know, you said that you were all about school and you loved high school and you had a lot of positive experiences. You live school, yet you also said that high school wasn't very good at preparing you for the real world and you, you dropped out of college. Could you share a little bit more about making that decision? In high school, it's all kind of central, like everything's all in one spot. But once you get into college and you, and like I said, I built relationships with staff members and other students, you build those relationships and then everything branches out and everything becomes more difficult as a real world situation. And so it was just personally for me, it was a lot on my plate and I kind of had to decide what was most important to me. And at that time, school wasn't, you know, I had, I had car insurance to pay. I had to get to, to and from work. I had to get around the places. So my job came first before anything. And it, it pains me to say it because, like I said, I'd, I'd love to go back to school. I, I plan to be an educator, and I plan on getting back into a classroom. But um, at that time, it just wasn't for me. And maybe I jumped into it too quick because I know people that can go from high school to college and make the transition seamless. And it all depends on the student, really. That's very true. I, I love talking to recent graduates like you, Cody, because I think it's important as educators that we, we just hear it straight. We, we hear it from someone who's going through it right now. I wish my teacher knew how difficult it is to focus on my work at home. There are seven people living in my house, plus my two dogs, so there's basically nine residents in our home. It's always very noisy and I can't really concentrate, and it's mostly the baby, which is my little nephew, who is three. He is very noisy, and he can be annoying sometimes, but I love him, even though I don't really show it. I wish my teacher knew how much potential I have, but I'm just not able to do it. By potential, I mean being able to do many things but I have anxiety. I wish I wasn't like this because I want to be able to do these things, but there's a lot holding me back. Now I'm just trying new things that I haven't done before, but I'm still working on it, and I need a little bit more encouragement. Sincerely, Alejandra. I hope you're enjoying the podcast thus far. I sincerely appreciate you listening in, and if you enjoy the work that we're doing, head on over to humanrestorationproject.org to find our free resources and wealth of writings. And then, if you think that we should keep going, take a look at our Patreon page. For $1 a month, you'll receive a professional, print-ready electronic magazine of our works every two months. But as always, all of our work is available for free online. And now we have Megan Kester, whose students are writing the excerpts that I've been sharing. Megan is a high school special education educator. She worked this summer in the Upward Bound program. And for those who don't know Megan, what is Upward Bound? It is funded by the Department of Education, and it provides opportunities for students to have a success record in pre-college performance while getting a college experience. So they actually do live in the dorms for the summer program um, for about six weeks. Um, they do The Upward Bound does target um, low-income families and high school students um, that 
neither parent holds a bachelor's degree. So really getting them excited about that college experience um, is super huge. But we're also working on skills that they may need um, either they didn't get or that kind of front-loading some of the curriculum that they will get. It's a great program, and Upper Bound is deeply involved in our school, and it's been really positive for our students to take advantage and appreciate it. So they have, uh, I think they have, a, they have a target advisor, and then Upward Bound also provides them with tutors throughout the school year, so they constantly have that um, connection, which is great. And um, they also have some social opportunities tied into a college, and they also provide um, like personal um, support as well. What was it like for you as an advisor at Upward Bound? Like, what was the experience like this summer? And one thing that I really like about Upward Bound, and maybe it's the freedom of the summer, but it really allows us to focus on relationships with the students. And really, it's it takes the, I would, from a teacher perspective, takes the pressure off the academic focus and it's that safe space the being able to talk things out or write things out or whatever is created in that classroom is almost like this magical thing um, because of what students then are able to put into their work or willing to put into the work um, a perfect example is I had them create board games from or a board game template from their favorite book and I had I would say the whole spectrum I they had to have a form of movement they had to like a dice or a spinner they had to have character pieces type things and then they had um, a board across a file folder and all I gave them was a file folder um, markers crayons tape glue and some index cards like it was on the back table and they had to create it from there and they had I think four or five days. It was, it was amazing. Like how creative they were, how innovative they were using these things. I'm um, finding things. Some people use rocks um, as pieces, but then, you know, manipulated the rocks or added to the rocks, which was um, quite interesting, but like they had to go outside their comfort zone and just to see that they were willing to do it. They were excited about it and they were really proud of what they produced. Um, was a really cool thing to see, I would say. This whole experience, I can't even, like, I don't really have a lot of words for it. It's just been so refreshing and restorative for me as a teacher as well. And maybe it goes back to relationships first and student voice and choice. Like, you know, maybe that is the key element that we're missing during the school year. That's a really fantastic point. And I, I agree that voice, choice, and agency are key to intrinsic motivation and, and therefore learning. And there's different degrees of having that happen. I mean, depending on the district, you might just have a few choices for your set curriculum, which is certainly better than nothing. And then we just keep pushing and trying to balance uh, moving that decision making more and more to student led outcomes. As you continue exploring progressive education and these ideas, what suggestions do you have for teachers, especially meeting the needs of students that you work with? Honestly, I would say don't be afraid of noise in your classroom and let go of control. Like you don't have to be in control and it will be okay. You don't have to have all eyes focused on me type of thing. I know that for me was a huge lesson, believe it or not. I am a younger teacher um, and I hear all this stuff. I read all the books, but actually being physically in the room, taught a geometry class um, this past year and 
another colleague had walked in and it was really loud. Um, you know, I I turned and I saw her come in and I apologized to her. I said, I said sorry, it's so loud. Um, I come from a very traditional school, like the Catholic school method, where it was dead silence when you were working. It was a huge learning curve. So I apologized and she goes, Megan, what are you talking about? Everybody is engaged. And I took a step back and I looked around and everybody was pretty much having math conversations. They were getting stuff. They were measuring stuff. And I was just like, oh, I guess you're right. And so I think like flipping that for me was huge this year. Um, and realizing that engagement is not, you know, every hand raised in the room. It's, you know, having those conversations is interacting with the language, it's interacting with the material. It's doing something um so that they can process it in their way. And I think that's kind of the huge thing for teachers is we need to realize that everybody has their own way of processing it. And we're just there to kind of facilitate that learning. And I think flipping the script is like a big realization that a lot of, especially special, special educators need to, real, um, to realize is that it is grabbing it, it is experiencing it, it is moving it, it's manipulating it, it's talking about it. That can be nerve-wracking too, especially as a new teacher when it's hard to keep your head above water. I know I still feel like I'm doing a lot wrong, and I, I probably am, but much of that anxiety is due to fighting against that predominant narrative that you're alluding to, that the class should be quiet and the teacher's in the front of the room, and if the students are, you know, if they're running around and they're having a good time, that might be a safety hazard, like all those things that are in the back of your head, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't love education um, growing up. And it was just a very rigid experience. And honestly, I feel like it stunted me a little bit because when I am given open-ended projects or thinking of open-ended projects, it's really difficult for me. It's like, where's the structure? Where's, where are all the requirements? Where are the boxes that I have to check? So um, it's been a process. I can't say that it happened overnight and not lie to you because it didn't. It's been a gradual process. Um, and I would say it's kind of taken about three years to get in the place that I am right now um, because those routines and the, that rigidity is so ingrained in me. But it's been super helpful to reflect and know that that is part of my journey, but it's not part of my student's journey. Um, and I can make it better and I can make it different. So uh, just kind of little switches, like, you know, having the students come out, come up and explain problems that year I was teaching algebra. Um, that year, I also had two periods of English support and I had one where I had a restorative justice coach come in once a week and help me implement restorative justice practices and seeing the power of the community, the classroom community that came out because of that was really inspiring um, for me and seeing the, uh, the contrast between the two classes as well. One class didn't have the restorative justice influence and the other one did. And seeing how that space the students thrived in more. They felt safer to take risks. They felt safer to share their learning journeys. Um, in that classroom, I also learned a lot about how students with special needs perceive uh, information, perceive things from teachers as well. Uh, 
I, I had some great graphics. I actually kept them and framed them um, of, what stu- of what learning is for them. And it's really amazing to see. Um, you know, I have one of a faceless head with, you know, actual information coming in one ear and then just kind of like these squiggles coming out the other ear and the eyes are spinning. Like they're just um, like almost from a top that you would see, you know, they're just spinning like I'm so lost. But somebody else wrote, I think something to the effect of learning is different for everybody. And why are you trying to make it the same? like asking me that question. And it's kind of like, you know, you're right. Like learning is different for everyone. You know, sometimes I really feel like everyone should be on their own IEP. <laughs> but it's true though. Like we all have our individual strengths. We all have our areas of growth and it is different. And these students are, you know, they're so lucky to have you as a teacher because, because of the learning that they're demonstrating and the care that you're showing them, it's so powerful. And but taking that initial step, like I just want to honor this for all the teachers out there. It is so hard. Like I will say it is so hard. And especially for special ed teachers, like I feel like we're under more scrutiny between the paraprofessionals or service providers or people in our classroom that might not always appreciate what's going on. Um it's really hard. Um, especially if you have that traditional idea of what school is supposed to be. To leave us off, I want to share a piece that Megan shared with me. Students were instructed to write a response to, if I knew I wouldn't fail, I would. And some of the responses included, be an artist, trust people, find true love, be an inventor, do my best, be a leader, go to college, be proud of myself, be a teacher, take risks, be more positive, be a model, try harder, and a whole host of specific careers that they'd love to go into. When we listen to students, we're reminded that every one of them is a human sharing our space. They're not gray numbers, they're not a problem student, they're not low or high or some form of label, and we only see a snapshot of who they are as individuals. But the more we build relationships and the more we open our classrooms and share our power with them and listen to who they are, we not only create a more self-directed curriculum, but a more caring and compassionate space. The more we learn about students, the more we can empathize, and the more we realize that their perspective is shaping their learning experience. Uh, For example, I just spoke to one of my students the other day. He was concerned about all the stress he was going through in school because he was behind in everything, and he wanted to reach out. And to be honest, the initial reaction from many of us was, well, you know, he also doesn't use any of his time in class. He, He spends most days watching YouTube. But I think we owe it to students to understand that there's, I mean, there's so many variables that could be going on. Is he giving up? Is the stress overwhelming him? Does he not know where to start? Is something going on at home? And we had a conversation and it became clear that he just needs more help. There just wasn't enough structure there. And we are finding solutions in order to make that happen. If we don't listen to students and we aren't willing to learn from them and open up with them, if we just put them down and act like they need to meet expectations at all times, then we're never going to end up constructing spaces that let them flourish. Whenever we go down our own path and start judging students who basically disrespect our authority, we are effectively denying students of their potential aspirations. All those things that Megan students named that they felt like were being denied to them in some way, shape, or form. 
Every student has goals like this that are left to be unlocked. And when I read through responses like that, I realize how much work I and likely many of us need to do to ensure that every student is heard and recognized. That's a massive goal, but every student deserves a school experience that respects them, hears them, and truly incorporates their ideas. It's up for us to listen, to learn, and to build that future. Thank you again for listening to Things Fall Apart from the Human Restoration Project. I hope this conversation leaves you inspired and ready to push the progressive envelope of education. If you have time, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, social media, or anywhere you see fit. Do us a favor and tweet this out, post it on Facebook, spread our reach as much as possible, and let's push forward and restore humanity together.